0: This program is made possible by the giving of the God-Called Partners of Renner Ministries. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick.
1: Welcome to today's program. My name is Rick Renner, and I'm so glad to be with you, and I'm so glad to be
2: with Joel
1: Renner. Thank you, Dad. It's good to be with you. And I'm really enjoying the answers that you have for these questions we're talking about. Well, these are questions which have been sent to us from our friends and from our partners and our TV viewers. And once a year, we take a full week. Joel and I sit right here. We read your questions and I do my best to give you answers that help. And I pray this is a blessing to you. And today we're going to be covering random doctrinal questions. And hey, They're pretty good questions. And if you have more questions, please send them our way. We'll save them and we'll answer them in the future. But right now we're offering you the full series, which is called Rick Renner, Answers Your Difficult Questions. And it comes with a study guide. Everything in these programs is also in the study guide. A lot of you have responded this week to say, wow, where can I find more on this teaching? Well, you need to begin right here because you can hear it and hear it and hear it again please reach out to us. And at the end of the program, my announcer will tell you how you can get all of these things and a lot more. And right now, this week, everything on our website, Joel, is 30% off. I mean, that is a radical discount. And we do it just because we want all this teaching material to be available to you. So be sure to go to our website, See what's there, see what you can avail yourself to, and remember to let us know how to pray for you. We're really waiting to hear from you so we can release our faith, for Jesus to step right into the place where you are. That's what he wants to do. He wants to release his power, and we'll get into agreement with you for Jesus to do that. But hey, we'll be back in
2: just a moment. Christmas is a timeless tradition. But do you really know the true story of that first holy night? In Rick Renner's timeless new book, Christmas, The Rest of the Story, Rick uncovers the stunning details of the nativity story you have never heard. Like, was Joseph really a carpenter? Who were the shepherds keeping watch? How far did the wise men travel and how many actually came? Through its detailed watercolor illustration, Christmas, The Rest of the Story invites families to explore the true meaning of Christmas as they interact with the story across nearly 300 decorated pages.
1: The Christmas story is the most important story ever told. It is just miraculous. And with this wonderful, fully illustrated book, you will learn so much
2: and you'll want to share
1: it with others. When you
2: call or go online right now to pre-order this book for just $35, you'll receive the eternal story of Christmas, now beautifully told in this timeless keepsake. Bound in a landmark large format book, you will create a family tradition that will last for generations. This sweeping portrait of the Christmas story allows readers to reflect on why Jesus came to earth that holy night and ultimately the reason for his birth. Great as a gift or to enhance your own traditions, order this beautiful book today. Christmas, the rest of the story for just $35. Call now or go to renner.org to order. Don't miss this special Christmas offer.
1: today we're going to be answering random questions that you have sent to me that are of a doctrinal or theological nature. So let's begin with question number one, Mr. Renner. Do all the promises God spoke to Israel apply to believers today? No, they do not. There are some questions some promises which are directly spoken to Israel and to Israel alone. But I want to read an important verse to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 32 where the apostle Paul mentions three groups of people that are in the earth and everyone in the earth can be put in these three groups. He says, "Neither give offense to the Jew nor to the Gentile nor to the church of God." These are the three groups of people that are in the earth. There's the Jew, there's the Gentile, and there are the people of God, which is the church. And God makes specific promises to each one of these groups. He makes promises to Israel that are only for Israel. God says things to unbelieving Gentiles about future judgment that just applies to unbelieving Gentiles. God makes promises to the church that are solely for the church. So no, every promise made to Israel Does not apply to us, but the principle may apply. And I want to read to you what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the same chapter, verse 6, which says, Now these things were our examples. These were examples that were given to us. And in verse 11, it says, Now all these things happened unto them for examples. And they're written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. And even though certain verses are not promises to us, they're promises to Israel, the principle, the principle, the example belongs to us. And we can apply a lot of it to our life and we can claim the principle. But there really are verses that apply only to Israel. And sometimes people try to apply them to the church and they don't apply to the church. Next. Question number two. I would be grateful if you could shed some light on Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Ephesians, you got your Bibles? Open your Bibles. We use the Bible in this program. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, a very familiar verse, which says, Be ye angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And the following verse says, neither give place to the devil. And sometimes people read this and they think it's a sin to be angry. But it doesn't say that. In fact, it says, be angry and sin not. Which means as believers, we should have an intolerance for sin in our lives. We should have an intolerance for it. In fact, we should be angry about sin in our life. This is a command, be angry and sin not. Don't allow place for sin in your life. But then it adds, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And then he tells us why in the next verse, neither give place to the devil. And we find that when we go to bed, in a bad attitude, or if we go to bed mad at somebody, it opens a door for the devil to attack us, especially in the realm of our mind and our emotions. Well, you're supposed to be angry about sin and sin not. Put up a barrier, say, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to participate in that. That's a righteous attitude. When it comes to your relationships, you should not go to bed mad at anybody. Hmm. It'd be good for you just to take a few moments before you go to sleep and say, Lord, please forgive me for being angry. Help me to forgive. Because if you go to bed angry at somebody else in a state of wrath, the following verse says it can open a door for the devil in your mind and in your emotions. And you don't want to do that. So that's what that verse is about. Wonderful. Verse, uh, question number three. How does Jesus manifest himself where two or three are gathered in his name? Well, Jesus promises in Matthew 18, verse 20, that where two or three of you are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of you. So Joel, here you and me are. And the Bible promises that Jesus is in the midst of us. And the amazing thing about being online with you, and often I say this in our online home group, Jesus never said we had to be in the same room. He just said two or three of you had to be together. Well, today, because of the medium of the internet and all kinds of television and different technological devices. We can all be together, but not necessarily in one place. And Jesus didn't say you have to be in the same room. He said, wherever two of you, three of you are gathered in one place, there I am. And of course, Jesus is there through the presence of the Holy Spirit. This is the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. Where is Jesus? He's at the right hand of the Father. That's where Jesus is. He is physically seated there. Jesus is not in the world today. He's at the right hand of the Father where He ever lives to make intercession for us. And we can go boldly to Him to obtain mercy and to find grace to help us in the time of need. But in the world is present the Holy Spirit. This is the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus actually said... In John 14, 15, and 16, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to come to you. And then he starts talking about the Holy Spirit and basically says he'll be a comforter, which means if you have him, it will be like you still have me because he will bring my presence. He'll bring my character. He'll bring my nature. If you have him, it's like I'm there. And when we're all gathered together in the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is here and the Holy Spirit manifests the presence of Jesus. And by the way, Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will testify of me. When the Holy Spirit's operating in your midst, he doesn't talk about himself. He testifies of Jesus. And that is how Jesus manifests in the midst of two or three that are gathered together in his name. Question number four. Why did Jesus send the legion of demons into the pigs? Well, that's a very interesting question. So let's open our Bibles. Do you have your Bibles? Let's go to Mark chapter 5. And in Mark chapter 5, we find the story of when Jesus passed over the lake in the middle of the night. He arrived in the country of the Gadarenes. I've been in the country of the Gadarenes. I have filmed a 10 part series where all of this happened. It's everything the Bible teaches about demons. You ought to get that series. That is really a remarkable series. But when you come to Mark chapter 5, the Bible tells us about the demoniac of Gadara. And there's some very, very interesting things about this demoniac. For example, when Jesus commanded the demons to come out of the man, they didn't come out. In fact, Mark chapter 5, verse 5 says, For he said unto him, and the Greek says, He said, and said, and said, and said, Jesus kept saying, and kept saying, and kept saying, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. It means at first, these demon spirits did not budge. And this was unusual, because Jesus usually cast demons out with a single word. And now they're not coming out. And the Greek tense means Jesus literally said, come out. I said, come out. I said to you, come out, come out, come out. He kept commanding them to come out. And when they did not come out, that's when Jesus asked him in verse nine, what is your name? It's the equivalent saying, who in the world are you anyway? Why aren't you coming out? And the demon answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Well, this explains why they were not easily coming out. This man did not have a demon. He had an infestation of demons. He had a legion. A legion is about 6,000 demons. Now, Joel, when I first studied this, I thought, how in the world do you put 6,000 demons inside one person? But it means our spiritual capacity is much bigger than we realize. This man could hold 6,000 demons. Well, then how much of God can I hold? If he could hold 6,000 demons, it means I've got more space for God in me than I've ever imagined. Our spiritual capacity is enormous. And we need to pray that we be really filled with the Spirit of God. But this demon said, my name, my, he is the elected demon that is speaking to Jesus for the rest of them. My name is Legion. There's about 6,000 of us in here, for we are many. Verse 10. And Jesus and the demon besought him much. The word besought means prayed. The demon prayed that he would not send them away out of the country. Verse 11. Now there was nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. Well, first of all, there should not have been any swine. This was the land of Israel. And these were unclean animals. The people of God were not to partake of pork in those days. Then it says in verse 12, all the devils... Now wait, up until this time, one devil has been speaking to Jesus. But now Jesus keeps saying, I said, come out. I said, come out. I said, come out. I said, come out. Jesus is putting so much pressure on these demons until they're all stirred up. And now rather than one demon speak through the mouth of this man, the whole legion is speaking. 6,000 voices coming out of this man's mouth at one time. That's why the verse says, all the devils besought him saying, send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And here we find a truth that demon spirits don't like just to roam in dry, empty places. They want to indwell something. Demons will live in a dog. Demons will live in a cat, believe it or not. Demons will live in anything that they can occupy. And if they weren't going to be able to stand this man, the demon saw there was a herd of pigs there, they said, hey, send us into the pigs. And this tells us something else. Pigs were low-level Filthy, dirty, disgusting, and it tells you that demons are willing to live in anything. They're low level creatures. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. Verse 13 And Jesus forthwith gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And in a certain sense, Jesus was giving us a lesson that if demons belong anywhere, They belong in low level, stinking, disgusting pigs. But notice what happens next. They entered into the swine, and the swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea. And there were about 2,000 swine, which means every swine got a couple demons, and they were choked in the sea. But when you read this in the Greek text, they were being choked, it says in the Greek, as they were running into the water. They were panicked. Suddenly they were taken with all of these demons. Well, the man had had the legion of demons. We don't know for how long, maybe for years. But he was alive. He wasn't dead. They hadn't killed him because the man had a mind. And as long as you have a mind, you have a choice. You can resist. And we know this man had resisted those demon spirits and he was still in control of his mind because when he saw Jesus, he ran to worship him. The demons could not stop him. He could exercise his willpower. But pigs have no willpower. And when the demons came into the pigs, what did they do? They annihilated themselves. And here Jesus is saying that if demons have free reign to do whatever they want to do, they will just annihilate. They kill, they steal, they destroy. They're low-level creatures who are even willing to live in dirty, filthy, disgusting creatures. Here a demonstration of how low-level are demons and what they will do if nobody resists them. It was really a lesson for us to understand something about demonic powers. Hmm. Next question. I've heard it said that if you forgive someone for a trespass, you also have to forget what that person did. Others say, even though you must forgive someone who wronged you, you do not have to forget what that person did. What does the scripture say about this? Well, first of all, the word forgive is the Greek word aphiemi, which means to release and to let it go. If you've ever had anybody say to you, just let it go. That's what the word forgive means. Just let it go. And in fact, the word forgive, the Greek word afiemi means to let it go with no right to ever retrieve it again. Which means if you've forgiven somebody of something, you never have the right to drag it up again. You have let it go with no right to ever retrieve it or to bring it up ever again. We're told In Psalm 103, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our transgressions from us. We're told in Jeremiah 31, verse 34, God says, I will remember their iniquities no more. That's very important the way it says that, I will remember no more. It doesn't mean that God has amnesia. God does not have amnesia. God is God. God knows everything. But when your sins are under the blood, it's been dealt with, God says, I choose to never bring that up again. Affie me. He releases it. He lets it go. God never retrieves it to deal with you about it again. Once it is under the blood, it is gone. And that is what we're supposed to walk in toward one another. Now, if somebody has done something really bad toward you, it will be very difficult to forget you don't have amnesia. But you can make a decision to be like God to say, I will remember that no more. You just choose to put it away, separate it from that person as far as the East is from the West. And the moment you say, I forgive, my friends, you cancel your right to ever bring it up again. But it's a choice. God makes a choice. I choose not to remember that. You have to do the same thing. Next. Why is the book of Ecclesiastes so negative? Well, I would think that was written by a younger person because younger people usually ask that question. And when I was younger, I did not like the book of Ecclesiastes. I thought it was depressing. (laughs) I thought that Solomon needed to take antidepressants. He would say, oh, worry, whoa, 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 all is vain, all is vanity. But, you know, as I've gotten older, I've really come to like the book of Ecclesiastes. I think as you get older, you get a different perspective on life. And you find out that everything comes, everything goes. And when you come to the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, you find out what is important is to fear God and to do all of his commandments. I've come to really love the book of Ecclesiastes because it just gives a perspective on life. Remember, everything is temporary. Here Solomon built all these big houses, gathered all of these things. And at the end of the day, he died. He couldn't take any of it where he was going. He says over and over, what's really important is that you learn how to enjoy life, enjoy the moment. That's a gift from God. That's just a lot of good common sense in the book of Ecclesiastes. It's really not negative, unless you're young and you haven't had much life experience yet. But if you read it with older eyes, there's a lot of appreciation for the book of Ecclesiastes. Why are there four Gospels and what is the difference between them? That's a great question. Well, there are four. Three are called the synoptics. The synoptic gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And the reason they're called synoptic is because they look the same. They all tell the different, the same story, just each of them tell it in a little different way. Matthew's gospel was written for Hebrew readers. And there are scholars who believe that the gospel of Matthew is the only book of the New Testament which may have been written in Hebrew. We don't know that for sure but some believe that, but he had a Hebrew audience. Mark's gospel was written for Romans. It was written for Romans. And even though we call it Mark's gospel, it's really not Mark's gospel, it's Peter's. Peter was the secretary. Peter told the story, Mark wrote it down, and it became affiliated with Mark's. We call it the gospel of Mark, but it's really Peter's gospel, but it was addressed to a Roman audience. Then you come to the book of Luke, the third of the three synoptics, and Luke was a Greek In fact, in the New Testament, he and Paul have the best Greek, and he wrote to a Greek audience. Those are the three synoptics. They all tell the same stories, just from a different angle. And if you study any story in the synoptics, you've got to study all three and put them all together to get the whole picture. Then you come to the Gospel of John, which is very, very unique. It is a masterpiece. It is the most theological of all the Gospels, proving the deity of Jesus. It is just remarkable, but we need all three. So that's the answer. Wonderful. Question number eight. What happened to Mary after the crucifixion, and where did Mary die? Well, Mary was at the crucifixion, and when she was at the crucifixion, Jesus spoke to the apostle John. Do you remember that? And I'm going to read the verse to you. I'm reading from my book, A Light in Darkness, Seven Messages to the Seven Churches. If you do not have this book, please go online to get it. And Remember that right now it's 30% off. Joel, this book is just, it's amazing. It is, it's full color. It's like an encyclopedia of the early Christian church. But in John 19, 25 to 27, the Bible says, now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister. And it goes on and says, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, that's the apostle John, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son, talking about John. Then He said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. Well, after the crucifixion, we read that Mary was there on the day of Pentecost, So Mary was an original Pentecostal, but after that she disappears from Scripture. We know that Mary is the one who shared all the gospel stories with Luke and the gospel writers, especially about the nativity. She chronicled all of that in her heart, and they interviewed her. She's the one that gave them all the details. But when John later moved to Ephesus, and all of that is in this amazing book, he took with him Mary, and Mary lived the latter years of her life in the city of Ephesus, where she entertained and received apostles and church leaders. And today there's a house on the hill above the city of Ephesus that you can visit, which is where Mary lived in the latter part of her life. But we're out of time. Hey, but we're going to be back in just a moment. We're going to pray for you. But right now, my announcer is going to tell you how you can get all of these wonderful things and more. And then we'll be right
0: back. Once a year, Rick Renner takes a full week to answer difficult questions sent in from people who watch his programs. Rick dives deep into these questions to answer them as honestly as possible. People love these programs because Rick really answers the questions that they've been asking. In this series, Rick Renner answers your difficult questions. Rick answers questions like, why don't you use your platforms to address political issues? What do you believe is the biggest single challenge facing the church today and in the next years? What if I don't agree with the direction my church is headed? Do all the promises God spoke to Israel apply to believers today? Why are there four gospels and what is the difference between them? This eye-opening five-part series is available in digital or physical format starting at just $10. And right now, every regularly priced item in the online store is on sale for 30% off. That's right, every regularly priced item at renter.org is 30% off. And we're excited to also offer you Rick's beautiful new book, Christmas the Rest of the Story, for a special new release price of $35. It's a book you will want to share with friends and family at this time of the year. This hardcover, 300-page, fully illustrated book is a keepsake that friends and family will pass on to future generations. Don't miss this special offer, This series Rick Renner Answers Your Difficult Questions, and the beautiful book, Christmas, The Rest of the Story. Call the number on your screen or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. This week, take advantage of our two-week cyber sale we're offering a 30% discount on all our resources. That's right, 30% off everything in our renner.org store. Go to renner.org right now and save on all your favorite teachings by Rick and Denise. Now is the time to order the products you've been waiting for. Go to renner.org today and save big on books, CDs, study guides, and more. Go to renner.org to order.
1: to make an impact in somebody else's life right from where you are. So thank you for praying about being a part of our giving team. And the moment you join, I want you to really expect the power of God to show up in your life. Today, Joel and I have been answering your random theological doctrinal questions. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. Thanks for being with us. And Joel, I want to thank you for being here with me today. Thank you. It's really been wonderful. But we're offering you this series called Rick Renner Answers Your Difficult Questions. And it comes with a study guide. And I want to remind you that today I also mentioned my book, which is called, are you ready for this? A Light in Darkness. Look at the size of this. It is an amazing book, and I want you to have it. And right now, everything on our website is 30% off. So please go there and avail yourself to this amazing discount. But please let us know how to pray for you. We really want to pray for you. So send us your email or give us a call right now. We're waiting for the phone to ring. And when we hear from you, we're going to release our faith for Jesus to do something phenomenal in your life. And tomorrow we're going to come back and we're going to answer your questions about finances and giving. It's going to be really good. It's going to be very practical. And I believe that it's going to help you. And Joel will be here with me. Joel, let's pray for our partners and our friends. Father, we thank you today for our friends, for our partners. We thank you that we can be together and open our Bibles. We thank you the Bible is so wonderful. And, Lord, we pray for a revival of the Bible in the church. Oh, Father, we ask you for it. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Thanks for being with us. And remember, tomorrow we're going to be answering your questions about finances and giving. It's really going to be good. But until then, remember Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 4. I love this verse. It says, where the word of a king is, there's power, and there really is. So let the word of God work in you today and
0: release its power. And we'll see you tomorrow. This program was made possible by the giving of the God-Called Partners of Renner Ministries.